Well, there's a common joke around the office amongst the pastors. In fact, it happened yesterday. <clears throat> it normally happens on a Wednesday, but when one of us is preaching, the, the, one of the other pastors will ask, what are you preaching on? And usually the response is, God. And whoever's asking the question always says, well, really? Could, could you give me more? And so uh, another uh, phrase we like to say is when somebody asks, what are you preaching on? We say, the Bible. Really? Well, I'm going to give you that opportunity tonight to ask me what I'm preaching on. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to ask me and you're going to say, Rob, what are you preaching on? I'm going to give you my answer. Then you're going to follow that up with, really? So are you ready? Go ahead, ask me. The Bible? Yeah, really, seriously. I'm preaching on the Bible tonight. Tonight is the first time in the history of being here at church that I can say the Bible, and it is correct. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I want to um, just let you know that the Bible that we have is, is literally, it's God's love letter to us. And it's also his autobiography. And in it contains just a, a wealth of information. But part of our spiritual journey, part of your spiritual walk, is getting to know the author of this book. We had several writers, you know, there's several, several writers of, of, of this book, but there's only one author. And so when they assembled the manuscripts to make it into a Bible, they really didn't know what to call it. And so what they did was, here's a pretty cool thing, the word Bible comes from the Greek word biblos, and actually biblos was a Greek city. And this city was known for importing papyrus, which is the word for paper. So when they put the manuscripts together, they literally called it the book, the Bible, meaning Biblos paper. And they added holy to it because it is no ordinary book. Amen. And so here at Family Life, you know, we, we do church. We do Wednesday. We do Sundays. We have life groups. Uh, we have outreaches uh, like eight days of hope, our, our serve day coming up in July. But really, the, the two most effective ways that we can get to know the author is through prayer, right? And, and literally reading our Bible. Prayer is you communicating to God, and reading His Word is Him communicating to you. And if I was forced into a corner and had to pick one of those, I'd have to give the nod of the most important to, to reading God's word because it's him speaking to you. Would you agree with that? Because you are a spirit being and your spirit needs to be spoken to. It needs to literally come alive each and every day. But a lot of people have difficulty. Why is that? Well, up on the screen, I'm going to give you a, a why. And if you notice these words that are up here, these are actually words from the Bible. Who can pronounce those things? 
But the Bible can really be, be somewhat difficult, especially for me, because I, I can't read those words. I can't even come close. In fact, when I read the Bible and I get to these words, I just skim over it and I make up a word. And so a lot of people get hung up. that It's, it's big words. You can't pronounce them. It's difficult to, to put a, a scripture together because the, the language, like maybe the King James, can be somewhat difficult because of the these and the thous. And so tonight, I want to go beyond the page. In fact, that's the title of tonight's message, Beyond the Page. Because in a typical page in your Bible are those big words. And in order for us to become spiritually mature, we've got to get a handle on this and simply go beyond the page. And so tonight's message is literally broken up into two parts. And I've given you a handout to help you. And I'll explain a little bit later. So the first part on your handout, we have to go beyond the page theologically. And I'm just going to spend a few minutes on that. And it starts in John 1.1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right here, theologically, God calls himself the Word. And it happened before our Bible was printed. He calls out himself as the word of God. It doesn't say that prayer is God. It doesn't say attending tonight is God. It says the word was God. And so it stands to reason if we want to become spiritually mature, we've got to become part of his word as well. Would you agree? If you and I want to get to know him better, want to know to get to know his characteristics and, and find out what his word means about forgiveness and, and, and health and, 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 and being, uh, and strongholds being broken off of our life, we have got to become more familiar with his word. But he didn't stop there. In John chapter one, it's in your notes. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Who was that? It's Jesus. What a gift we have that that happened 2000, over 2,000 years ago. The Word became flesh. Honestly, that's the message of God's Word. That His Son, who He gave freely to pay our sin debt, became the Word. You say, Rabbi, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but those big words, they, they, they mess me up. Well, I want to very, very quickly help you to understand and get a picture of God's word in about two minutes. Can you hold on? Look in your handout. This is really called the mirror image to understanding God's word. If you look on the, the this, these two columns, bottom left, it says God and righteous man in paradise. That's where it all began. That's where his word began. He created everything in a perfect atmosphere. 
But look what happened right above. Satan and sin entered. Immediately with Adam and Eve, there was separation. There was no more perfect world according to Adam and Eve. So separation took place. So God said, well, I'm going to have to do something about that because not only did Adam and Eve sin, but other people were sinning and they were disobeying and literally chaos ensued on the world that we knew it back then. And so what did God do? Judged the world and destroyed it with water. He found one man, Noah, and his family and literally rebuilt the world on this family. They moved along, water receded, they started populating, but something else happened, chaos ensued again, and a one-world government began. They built the Tower of Babel. They thought if we could only reach God this way, we're going to be in good shape. How many of you know that didn't do too well? So God said, you know what? Well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a nation. And in it, I'm going to have 12 tribes. We're going to call it Israel. And we'll see what happens. Well, how many of you know that didn't work? Looked like it was going to work. It looked like it was going to be a great thing. But what happened was is that these people in the Old Testament, it was more external. It was more about uh, doing the law, getting everything just right. And God had, God wanted their heart. And then word became flesh. And his name is Jesus. And that's why I have it at the very top. And if you go to the right, well, we had the 12 disciples. Right? And then God's holy people, the church, started. We see it in Acts. In fact, we're living right now in that time frame. We are the New Testament church. Amen? But your Bible tells us that there will be a one-world government headed up by the Antichrist. You're going to get a chip here, chip here. You're going to go to Walmart. You're going to go shopping. You're going to have to do that with your head. But how many of you know that that's not going to work out too well? Our Bible says that once again, the world will be judged and destroyed by fire. And then right below that, Satan and sin will exit the building and then look, God and redeemed man in paradise. That literally, in a nutshell, is your Bible. In fact, the word redeemed right there, God and redeemed man, is a Greek word for resort. You thought you were going to be up there in the choir. Let me just give you a quick picture. There's going to be high walls with 12 gates and on them are going to be the 12 tribes. It's going to be 200 feet thick, made of jasper, sapphire, emeralds, and topaz. Each gate is going to have one pearl on it, and it's going to take up the entire gate. And we get to walk on the streets of gold. 
That's what heaven, that's what eternal life looks like. Amen? So right here in the last three or four minutes, I've given you the Bible in a nutshell. It's called the mirror image. But Jesus made some claims about his word that takes it even further. In fact, in John 6, 63, it says this. Jesus says, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words, the words right here, I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Notice that I've got the word spirit and life highlighted. The word spirit in, in the Greek literally means breath. But when the writers put the Bible together, there really wasn't an English word. When they were translating it into English, there really wasn't a, a good word. It, otherwise, it would have said, I have spoken to you. Uh, the words I have spoken to you are breath and they are life. It really didn't sound. So they put the word spirit there, and they used the word pneuma, which literally means wind or power. And so what Jesus is saying right here is that these are not, the, the words that Jesus speaks and the word that God speaks in this Bible are not ordinary words. Like you and I have conversation about last Wednesday night's weather. Come on, can somebody say it rained hard? Or what CNN said today, oh my gosh, are you tired of hearing this Comey deal? That's not the kind of words that Jesus is talking about. His conversations were laced with power. And he also says that they are life. Your Bible is not a book of information, but it's a book of power. And the challenge is, is that, I just can be honest with you tonight, a lot of people can carry their Bible. They have difficulty in reading their Bible. They find it mundane. They, they say, it's not for me. It's not relevant. It's uh, relevant. It's not current to today's times. It's hard for me to read. It's hard for me to comprehend. I have trouble with the language. The words are too big. I can't pronounce them. Well, tonight I want to stir you up a little bit. Come on, can I get an amen? If not, I'm going to have to amen myself. I want to stir you up to go beyond the page to make this book living and active. In fact, in Hebrews 4.12, it says, for the word of God is living and active. Amen? And so how do we theologically go beyond the page to make it living and active in our life? Well, number one, here's your first blank. Faith activates the word. Very simple. Faith activates the word. Faith is, is, is allowing and, and it's what makes the Bible come alive in you. It's believing in God and what you read about in the Bible. Hebrews 4, 2 says this, For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of what? No value to them, because those who heard did not combine it with faith. So when you approach your Bible, you've got to say, Okay, faith, you need to come alive. If you're just reading your Bible, and not combining it with faith, it's not going to work. 
there will be no value that will come from it. Some people say, well, Rob, trying to muster up faith frustrates me. I get that. So how do you get faith deep down inside of you? I'm glad you asked. It's number two. Revelation activates faith. So we get the picture of what faith can do, but it takes revelation to activate that faith. If faith is to come alive in you, there has to be some revelation. That's when you read something and you go, ah, I, I see it now. I get it. It's interesting. There are two words in the Greek language that really describe the word word. Did, did you get that? The first one is logos. That's the written word. You know, if you brought your Bible tonight, that's the written word of God. Most people only get to that point. Because of what we talked about earlier, their struggles, the difficulty. The next word is, it's in your handout, is rhema. That's revelation. That's revealed. That's, that happens, like I said earlier, when you are sitting there and you're reading a scripture and all of a sudden it's like God is shining this bright, brilliant light on either a phrase or a word or maybe a passage of scripture. And you go, O-M-G, oh my goodness, I have seen it. I've read this a hundred times and I've never seen this. Let me give you a great example of that in our Bible. It's a wonderful story of Jesus' mom, Mary. She was a teenager, probably in pigtails, enjoying her day. And an angel visits her in a very profound way and says, you're going to be pregnant. And it's going to be God. And so we get to see in Scripture how she reacts to that message. In fact, in Luke chapter 1, verse 34, she says, after hearing it, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. At that point, it was logos. It was the word that was given to her. Because she says, well, how could it be? See, she began to question it. There was no revelation on her part. And that's what happens to a lot of people. We will read our Bible, and that's as far as we get because revelation doesn't come in. But look what happens. The angel did not give up on her. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. When Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. What the angel was saying right here was, no revelation, no rhema God from word will ever fail you, Mary. Did you get that? At that point, it became rhema in her spirit. 
Now, this is just me. It's a side note. I believe that that's when she got pregnant. What do you think? She went from logos, the written word, to the rhema word when she got it deep down inside of her. And look how she responds in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So faith activates the word. Revelation activates faith. Well, Rob, how do I get that revelation? Well, I'm about to tell you. I'm so glad you asked me. Number three, meditation activates revelation. Meditation activates revelation. It's Again, it's at this point where a lot of people get stuck. Because they'll read a scripture or maybe a passage or maybe a chapter only one time and they give up. They don't go any further. And they move on maybe the next day. They, you know, and, and so meditation literally is rereading and rereading and pondering and, and, and literally putting the brakes on and spending some time and pondering what we just read. God wants us to slow down and meditate. And let me tell you, when you get to this point, your life will be radically changed forever. Slow down, Rob? You want me to slow down? Are you serious? Yes, I am serious. The problem is, is that we don't slow down. And here's why. We, we become reliant. We rely on the pastor. We rely on Pastor Brandon's message to get us through the week. We rely on Pastor Todd coming back to today, actually, but he's going to be back Sunday in the pulpit. We rely on that. We rely on a devotional by T.J. Jakes. We rely on something that we see on TV. All those things are wonderful. But most Christians can't sit long enough to ponder and slow down. I've heard people say, my schedule doesn't allow me to reread my Bible. Joshua 1.8 says this, Do not let this book of the law depart from, my, from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. It's interesting, this Hebrew word meditate, it comes from a Hebrew word that it actually is, it's called ruminate. And, and let me explain that. Any farmers or any people that grew up on a farm, let me, let me see your hand. One person, two, three, four. Good. It's what cows do. <laughs> you ever seen a cow eat? It can be the most vile, disgusting thing that you've ever seen in your life. Changing a baby's diaper has nothing on this. A cow will bend down. He's in no hurry, by the way. He will bend down, get his mouth and teeth around some clump of grass, put it in his mouth, and chew on it. Well, Rob, that's not too bad. Well, it gets even better. He swallows it and it's ruminating in his belly and then he vomits it back up. That's what this word means. 
And then he chews on it again. And he swallows. And he starts the process all over again and he brings it back up. When we chew and chew and vomit and swallow and keep chewing and chewing and meditating on his word. Let me show you in scripture. In fact, it's on your handout. What will happen? It says in Joshua 1, 8 at the very beginning, at the very end, then you will be prosperous and successful. Amen. Would you like to know why I created a handout for you tonight? Because I wanted you to take notes. I wanted you to take this home so that you just don't hear what I'm telling you tonight. I want you to take it home and chew on it. Get Pastor Brandon's message from, from Sunday. You need to chew on it. You need to ruminate. You need to vomit it up at home. But there was a reason why I went to that extreme to make and create this. There's a reason why we make notes on Sunday and put them on the back wall. It's not for looks. It's for your personal spiritual journey to take notes, to take it home, to ruminate on it, to chew it, to vomit it, to chew it, to vomit it until you get it deep down inside, until you meditate. And when you do that, revelation comes, your faith will be built. And let me tell you, supernatural miracles are going to start to take place in your spirit like never before. Most Christians are going to church and they check out at point number two. Well, I've gotten past point number two, so we're in good shape. But they check out at point number two. They break out their phone. They're texting their wife who's sitting next to them. I'm hungry. Are you hungry, baby? Where do you want to go eat for lunch? That is what is happening in our churches across America. They're checking out too early. They're not ruminating it when they get home. They're more concerned about what they're going to eat for lunch than what they're hearing in the pulpit. Or they're playing a game on their phone. Uh Uh-oh. I want to give you an example, real-life example of what happened to me about three weeks ago when it comes to this point about meditating revelation and faith. I'm reading my Bible. I'm in Philippians. In fact, Pastor Brandon shared Sunday, Philippians 4, 6. I want to share with you what God showed me in the first five verses. There's a story. It's two ladies. They're Christians. They're, they're actually, they had an argument. They're, they're, they're going at it. They're church people. They're arguing. How can that be? And so Paul is is trying to outlay and give them some advice and as well as the church leadership. And so I'm reading my Bible and I'm I've never seen that before. How many times have I read Philippians? I've preached a series on a Wednesday night years ago. I did a whole series on Philippians, four consecutive Wednesdays and I never saw that. Where these two women are going at it like cat and dog. And then the very next verse, he says, let us rejoice. And then he says in verse 5, look, it says in your, in your handout, Paul says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Well, I'm reading the Bible, and I never made the connection. 
He's saying, okay, we've got two ladies, but you need to let your gentle spirit be known to be an example to them. And what happened was, it was like God put the brakes on me that morning and said, whoop, whoop, stop. We've gone far enough. And something happened here at work the very next day where I had to put this into practice. And so I, I chewed it, I vomited it, and I chewed it again. I, I, I really didn't do that. But you know what I'm talking about. I reread it and I said, okay, Lord, what are you trying to, sh- what are you trying to show me here? Well, all of a sudden the revelation came. Maybe, Rob, you're going to have an opportunity to show your gentle spirit and not the other way. Sure enough, it happened. Faith rose up in me because I was able to overcome. Amen. So that's the first part. I don't have very long, but we're going to, we're going to get through this. Amen. So the second part, which is really the meat of tonight's message is going beyond the page, but in a practical way. Look at, look what it says in Matthew 7, 24 in the message. It says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions. By the way, this is Jesus speaking. These are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on if you work these words into your life. You are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. i got to let you know, just beyond that, beyond these a couple verses, he's talking about somebody who builds their house on not solid rock. What will happen? How many of you know that storms are coming? If you didn't believe in that, well... Guess what? They're coming. And so what Jesus is saying here, he says, if you get my words deep into your life, when those storms come, you're going to be able to withstand them. And your house is not going to crumble. And that's our goal here at Family Life. Everything that we do around here, we want to see that happen into your life. We want to see these words getting down deep inside of you. So to go beyond the page and make it work in our lives, what do we do? Well, number one, here's your next blank. I must accept its authority. I'm talking about the Word of God. I must accept its authority. It really boils down to our attitude toward this book. I've heard people say, yeah, it's a good book. Written by a good person. It's got some good stuff in it. I've also heard people say it's it's kind of like a textbook. It's kind of big and I don't know. But then I've heard people say it's the infallible, inerrant word of God that is not capable of error. Can it be trusted? Absolutely, it can be trusted. But people still say, I just don't understand it. Well, here's what I have to say about that. I don't understand how the digestive tract works, but I still eat. Amen? In 1 Thessalonians 2.13, it says this, And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, pause, 
is received on your handout. Is it highlighted in yellow? I'm glad. Because that word received here, it literally means in the Greek, it means to welcome a stranger. Let's say in the morning you get a knock on your door and you look through that little peephole and it's a stranger. It would literally mean that you are opening the door, welcoming that person into your home saying, hey, would you like to have a sit? Yes, sit down in my, in my lazy boy. Would you like a cup of coffee? That's what that word means. So it says, we thank God continually because when you received, when you welcomed the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is. You see, we've got to not only welcome it, but what happens is naturally you accept the authority that God's word has. It, It needs to literally become supreme in your life. And it's at this point when you accept the authority and trust that what it says in that book is indeed truth, it will change your life. And you will see power come from it. In Luke chapter 4, it's not in your notes, but Jesus was teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And Scripture says that the people were amazed because it says, literally, that His words had authority. Let me just tell you here at Family Life, we believe in the canonized Word of God. We don't add to it. We don't subtract anything from it. We accept its truth and its foundation. Enough said. Amen? The second part of making Scripture work into my life is I must assimilate. So, Rob, how do you spell that? Well, look, it's up on the big screen. I must assimilate the truth. That just, that's a big word that means you get it deep down inside of you. Not just on Sunday and Wednesday. It's when you're reading your Bible and you see in Hebrews 13, 4, it says that marriage should be held in high honor. That you take that scripture and you allow that truth to begin operating in your life and not go to bed angry at your mate. That's how assimilation works. Or you've got a different, how many of you have a difficult boss? How many of you have difficult employees? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I work here. Well, you read in Scripture, it says, pleasant words are to be a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bone. How about we speak positive to our coworkers or to our boss or to our employees? You follow God's way of forgiveness. You read as you're reading and you see Joseph's brothers were mean. Those dudes were just, by the way, we're supposed to end at 745. Would y'all be okay if we kept going? They were mean. They threw him in a pit. Years down the road, he's this big wig in the land of Egypt. And his brothers are coming to him because they are, they're hungry. They need food for their family. 
and they don't recognize it as Joseph, but Joseph recognizes them. What a beautiful picture of forgiveness. That's what assimilation does in your life when you get truth down deep in, inside of you. Let me give you a caution, and I believe I put it in your notes. Do not become reliant on other people to give you God's truth. You do it. You read God's word. You get it inside of you. I recently, in the last couple of years, I've gotten big into building furniture. I've built some things around here. Uh, I love doing it because have you seen the prices of furniture? Have you seen the price of anything out there? Groceries, it's ridiculous. But anyway, I'm looking at furniture and I'm going, I can build that. Well, anyway, just recently I built for my daughter two outdoor chairs with nice, oh, they're, they're really nice. She painted them white, got armrests on them. They're so cool. I built them dudes for $13, $14 a piece. I, can, I know I can get $100. Pastor Brandon, I think I might get me another job. You know what? I decided one day I'm going to start doing this myself instead of relying on a store to supply me with furniture and things that I need. We have to do the same thing. We cannot rely on what other people are doing for us. Amen. So how do you assimilate? Number one, by listening to God's word. It means you show up for church. You make it priority. You make it of importance in your life. Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from sitting in your lazy boy watching ESPN. No, it says hearing the message. It means we, we offer Wednesday night service. We offer Sunday service. We have life groups hearing the message, hearing the message. I know this. I'm not missing. Now you say, Rob, you work here. Yes, I've got to sit through two services, but I enjoy it. You know why? Because sometimes on one service, I don't hear something, but I'll pick it up in the second service. And that happens to me very frequently. And that is awesome to, to be able to do that. I've been in church for a long time. I calculated not long ago that I have probably heard somewhere between 3,500 and 4,000 messages. Because when I first got saved, I was in the Baptist church. And we went Sunday morning. We went Sunday night. Come on, somebody. Where's the Baptist people in the house? I know you here. Come on now. Talk to me. We went to church. And sometimes I felt like I was at church all day on Sunday. That's another story. But anyway, I heard a lot of sermons. I have not grown up and fully matured. I still need to sit under the word of God. Jesus said in Luke 8, 18, Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. I'm going to step on some toes. It's not in your notes and it's not in my notes. But there are people that are coming to churches that are sitting out there drinking coffee while the word of God is being preached. And I'm not fussing. I'm just saying, where is our allegiance? Sometimes people during worship are out there. Where is our allegiance? And I'm guilty because sometimes I get caught up out there too. So I am just like you. But we've got to be careful how we listen and take notes and bring it home and chew it and vomit it out. The second way 
We assimilate is by reading God's word. This is where I get a little excited. Amen. Matthew 4, 4 says, Jesus answered, it is digitally downloaded on your mobile device. Man does not live by bread alone. Is that what it says? I'm sorry. What does your version say? It is written. Can I give you a helpful hint? I'm, I'm going to get on a soapbox here. If you don't have a paper Bible, get one. Get one. We are in a digital age, and I get that. In fact, sometimes I preach on an iPad. Pastor Brandon preached, I think, Sunday uh, with, with an iPad. But let me tell you what happens about reading God's Word digitally. You start chasing squirrels. Sometimes when you're reading digitally, sometimes your mind gets taken away. Uh, sometimes you'll click on a link that takes you somewhere else. The next, th next thing you know, you're shopping for flip-flops at Amazon.com. A digital Bible is everybody's Bible, but a paper Bible is your Bible. Let me just give you, I'm sorry for running late, guys. Are y'all okay with this? Let, let me just give you, let me summarize, and it's in your notes. I, I felt like I needed to include this. But there are two types of Bible translations uh, out there, meaning there's the what's called the formal equivalence. That is the literal word-for-word -word translation. When they were putting the Bible together in English, they took it word for word. The King James is a formal equivalence. The New King James, the ESV, the New American Standard. Then you also have what's called the, what's called dynamic equivalence. This is not word for word. It's more of thought for thought. The message we just read out of the message a while ago. That is more of a thought for thought. The NLT, New Living, is a thought for thought. Um, there's, there's other versions out there, the Living Bible as well. But I just wanted to share that with you. It makes no difference. You just find a Bible that fits you. And for me, I, I started out in the New American, and, and I've switched to the NIV. It, it's okay, people. We, we don't have to adhere to the... These and the thou's and the King James. Some people love it. It's just how my brain works. Some people love the new living. Pastor Brandon has been preaching out a new living since he was like four years old. The youth, our, our, our school uh, uses NLT, new living, and, you know, the message. It, it really, it's, it's how you, how you can uh, retain information. And so it doesn't matter which equivalents. I just wanted to share that with you, that there's a number of Bibles out there. I'm trying to stir you up tonight. If you don't have a paper Bible, go to the bookstore and sit there and, and literally pull off versions and see which one that you like. Next thing I would recommend is develop a plan. You can get a one-year plan where you read a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new, and a psalm. And here's the cool thing about that. If you're in Leviticus and you're reading about infectious skin diseases, you can go to the New Testament and read something about God's power. Amen? And then we have the soap method. This is where we're going to camp out. 
The SOAP method changed my life. S-O-A-P. It stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And look, I just want to share with you, what does it mean? How do you read your Bible? I read one chapter a day, and that's it, because that's all this little brain can take. I got myself a, um, a notepad, and in the margins, you write S. Below that, a few lines down, you write O. A few lines down there, you write A. A few lines down, you write P. The Scripture... And, and here's, here's the whole thing about the SOAP method is when you approach, before you start reading, you say, God, show me one thing today out of this chapter. One thing. One thing. Aren't you reading a little bit with anticipation? Like, where is it? Once God shows you like he showed me, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. What you do is that's the scripture. You write that down. The O is the observation, and I've given it to you, and I've explained it to you in your notes. I'm not going to go into detail, but I've given you an example of an actual soap method. I dated it May 3rd. But anyway, when you do your soap method, you give it a date, and you can even title it yourself. This has been years ago, but I'm reading in the book of Luke, and it talks about the prophetess Anna, and it says... I highlighted it in Scripture. It says she never left the temple. Well, when I'm reading that, my, the brakes stopped at that point. That was my aha moment. She never left the temple. She was a widow for many years. She never left the temple. And what I got out of that, that was, look, look what I said as my oh. What I see here is the widow had a passion for the Lord for many years. It says she never left the temple. That tells me she was consistent in seeking the presence of the Lord. What a devoted lady. That actually was in my devotion, my soap method devotion that day. You see how the observation, you, you observe what God's word says. The A is the application. Well, this should be my attitude. I should be seeking the Lord every day the presence of God, whether I'm at work, whether I'm on vacation, you see where I'm going? And then I made it into a prayer. Again, just an example of how the soap method changed my life. Let me give you three quick benefits of the soap method. You are creating your own devotional and you don't have to rely on Joyce Meyer's devotional that pops up on your iPhone every day. You will accumulate verses. You will accumulate stories. You, I, I, in fact, every prayer, uh, prayer and fasting, I share that story about she never left the temple. I never have forgotten that. You will never forget it. And you're going to be able to minister to people once you start building up a repertoire of stories and, and God's goodness and character inside of you. The soap method works. Amen. And look what I titled it. I says, I said, don't leave home without it. You can make it funny. You can make it however you want. Amen. The third way to assimilate, and I've got four minutes, it's this. It's by exploring God's word. How do you do that? You get in a life group. Maybe start a life group, okay? You read the Bible in other versions. I have right here a parallel Bible. It's it literally on one page, there are four versions. And so you can literally read it four versions side by side and see the, a little bit of the difference and get revelation, okay? I have a Bible dictionary. In here is, is just information 
One day I'm reading in here and I see the word Beth, B-E-T-H, like Bethlehem, Beth Page, Bethany. Hmm, okay, what does that mean? Beth means house. Bethlehem means house of bread. Beth Page means house of unripe figs. Why I know that, I have no clue. But what I did was, is I decided to, to um, just create an arsenal of information that maybe one day I could share. There's even a one-year Bible that, again, it takes you through infectious skin diseases as well as New Testament. It's really cool. It'll take you. You can read it in one year. Amen. I'm just giving you the information. And then, of course, when you get your Bible, you mark it up. Look, I've got post-it pads. I got all kind of stuff from the years. I got messages in here and points and stuff that I write in your Bible. It's okay. It's not a sacred cow. I not only have to accept and assimilate it, but the third way to get beyond the page and make it work in my life is I simply have to apply it. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Look what it says in James 1.22. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If you drop down verse 25, it says this, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to keep reading his Bible and not look at ESPN, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Apply means simply that you're intentional, that you continue it. Once you get one revelation, don't stop there. You continue the next day. It means you want to retain that information. It means you want to keep it in your possession because you never know you might be at work and somebody's having a difficult day. And you can pull that kind of out of your back pocket. You may not be able to quote that scripture, but at least you can kind of paraphrase and say, hey, let me tell you how that scripture ministered to me. Let me very briefly, and we're going to try to close here very quickly, but the story of Josiah. And I included all these verses, but I wanted you to, to, to know what happened. This young man became king at eight years old. And it says in Chronicles that he served the Lord, he sought the Lord even at an early age. But something happened, they, they were, uh, he, he felt the need to kind of rebuild the temple because a lot of idols were coming in and, and, and they had done some things like his, his parents and all of that. And he's like, oh, we, we're going to have to change all of this. And one day, Hilkiah, look in verse 15, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple. In other words, he says, man, dude, I found the Bible. And look what it says. Shaphan, okay, we need to take this book to the king. So they bring it to the king, and look what it says. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. I'm, I'm reading the highlighted yellow. They found the book. He reads it in front of the king, Josiah. When the king hears the words of the law, he tears off his robes. He was so smitten with God's word that he, he was literally bawling like a baby. He, he was so enamored with what he was hearing that it had such a profound effect on him. And look what it says. He says, okay, go and inquire of the Lord for me. In other words, he accepted. He accepted the truth. Then you go over verse 29 and, and through that, it says that he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant. The king stood by his pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord. 
He assimilated. And look what happens at the very end. In verse 33, Josiah, he got rid of all the junk in the church. He got rid of all the stuff that was pulling people away from the Lord. He applied it. Isn't that pretty cool to see that happen in Scripture? Eight-year-old boy. He actually, he actually did this when he was 26. Anybody in here 26? You're not 26. Just kidding. But anyway, he was 26 when this happened in his life. Folks, too many people are struggling with God's Word because I did. I I struggled. I battled intimidation. I couldn't retain anything. I couldn't hear the voice of God until I got this information and realized that I needed to change how I viewed the Bible. It's not a book. It's not a textbook of information. But I started reading it differently. You know what I'm saying? I got a version that that felt comfortable to me. One day, four ministers were sitting around a table discussing the pros and cons of various Bible translations, each trying to convince the others that their translation was best. The first pastor says, by all means, the King James Version was his choice because the old English language is beautiful and produces the most reverent picture of Scripture. The second pastor said he preferred the New American Standard because he felt it was the closest to the original Hebrew and Greek. The third pastor said his favorite was the paraphrased Living Bible because his congregation was young and they could relate to it. All three sat silent for a moment. Finally, the fourth pastor spoke up and said, I guess when it comes to translations and paraphrased editions of the Bible, I like my dad's translation best. He put the Word of God into practice every day. It was the most convincing translation I've ever seen. Folks, my job tonight was not really to preach at you, but was to offer you to, to, so that you could take notes, so you could take this home, so that maybe you can start developing some reading habits in your life and not become reliant on other things out there. But I'm telling you, when you put these things and these words into your life, it will become, oh my goodness, watch out, amen. The Bible, and it's on your handout. Know it in your head, store it in your heart, show it in your life, sow it in the world. If you would, please stand. Did you get anything out of this tonight? I, look, I, I did, putting this together, I... I got stirred up. Well, let me just pray over you, and and I know we're running a little late, but I just want to pray over you that God would stir up your faith, that God would, 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 would do something miraculous in your life. If you want to talk more about versions and maybe come see what I had, that, that, that's great. I, I want to encourage you to, 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 to take that challenge to go beyond the typical page and not get hung up with those big words. 
So if you would, just bow your head and close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for speaking to us tonight. We thank you that your word is literally living and active. And Lord, as it says in the Message Bible, as one of the translations, it says, you said, let these words become part of your life. Let these words become power in your life. And so, Lord, I pray over that. I bless the people in here tonight saying, Lord, speak to them, empower them, equip them, get them beyond the page, Lord, to a new realm of revelation, for it's in your precious and holy name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, listen, here's the challenge. I challenge you for the next three or four days. I'm going to be here on Sunday. It's my Mother's Day. But more importantly, if you're going to take this challenge, come talk to me because I want to hear how this maybe is affecting your life about maybe you started the soap method or maybe you, you pondered or maybe you sat longer than normal. But I want to hear your story about how God's word is impacting your life. Amen.